I'm Todd Stone with uh, Stone Farm and Ranch in Love Lady, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agricultural on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're wrapping up work on the 117th Congress, and it's been an interesting Congress when it comes to agriculture. Democrats seem to be putting more and more urban members of Congress on the agriculture committees, and we've seen a severe lack of Texans on those committees. We'll check in with Texas A&M's Bart Fisher for more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Another food manufacturing company is making plans to build a plant in Amarillo, and it should provide a boost to area livestock producers. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texans recognize for their achievements at the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll introduce you to the winners from the state of Texas here on Texas Ag Today. Well, the cool weather is making it a perfect time to plant cool season vegetables in Texas. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about fall gardening with cool loving plants. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We are in the final weeks of the 117th Congress, and it has been a very different Congress when it comes to the agriculture committees. Of course, both committees are controlled by Democrats who are showing an increasing tendency to put more urban members of Congress on those committees. Bart Fisher, co-director of the Food and Agriculture Policy Center at Texas A&M, says another concern with this Congress has been the lack of Texans on those committees. Congressman Mike Cloud has been the only member of the Texas delegation on either Ag Committee, with newly elected Congresswoman Myra Flores only recently joining. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm certainly concerned you know, with the lack of representation that we have, certainly in those senior leadership positions. But even for folks waiting in the wings, I will say to Congressman Cloud's credit, he has been very active. He's actually reached out and worked with our center here in Texas as well. And so I, I think that's to his credit that he's really taken that his role there on the committee seriously and representing Texas agriculture. I think that's a great thing. But there are other members of the Texas delegation who sit in other positions in Congress who are great friends to agriculture. 
We do have some pretty extraordinary leadership, uh, you know, in uh, in the delegations here in here in Texas, and really on both sides of the aisle. And some of them, you know, you take a Henry Cuellar in a position uh, on on appropriations, you know, and you have other members too in West Texas who may not be on the ag committees, but obviously who take agriculture very very seriously and are using the, the bully pulpit they have to advocate. And so there, is, I do have concern, uh, but I also don't want to overplay that hand because we do have some really good members who do you know who do look out for agriculture and are constantly advocating on behalf of agriculture. The next Congress may have a bit more Texas representation, with Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson recently saying he will actively pursue a spot on the House Ag Committee once the next Congress is seated. Texas cotton growers can now enroll their 2022 through 2024 crops into the Cotton Trust Protocol. Tillman White is Program Operations Manager for the Protocol. Growers can now enroll their 22 through 24 crops in the program. Three-year enrollment is quick, easy, and efficient, allowing grower member cotton to enter the supply chain sooner. As supply chain membership continues to increase, we need to collectively ensure there's enough participation in the program to meet demand. White says growers can be assured their data is safe. Data entered in the program is secure and remains confidential, only being used in an aggregate form. Growers can also authorize their crop consultant to enter information on their behalf and ensure accuracy. Visit TrustUSCotton.org for more information. Another food manufacturing company is making plans to build a plant in Amarillo. James Hunt tells us it should provide a boost to area livestock producers there. We've talked previously about the efforts of the Amarillo Economic Development Corporation to bring food manufacturing companies to the city. The latest such project involves California-based Coast Packing Company, whose CEO, Eric Gustafson, describes the company this way. Well, we like to say that we don't make the food, we make it taste better. So we are a manufacturer of edible shortenings from animal fats and vegetable oils that are used for baking and frying and other uh, industrial applications across many industries, not just you know, here in the U.S., but also internationally. Among the customers for Coast Packing's products are some well-known names. Golden Chick, Chicken Express, okay. Popeyes, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, to name a few. And, uh, you know, your, your local donut shops and some of your locally owned restaurants and bars and diners and other restaurants like that, as well as bakeries. And when it comes to the animal fat Coast Packing uses, Gustafson says their planned expansion into Amarillo has a lot to do with the presence of our region's beef industry. The great aspect about being here, you know, in, in Amarillo and the Panhandle is you have access to so many packers within a call it five to six hour radius which is great from a supply chain perspective. And livestock producers take note, Gustafson anticipates Coast Packing's purchases of beef fat will create added value to the cattle going into the plants. Coast Packing expects to begin its Amarillo operations in 2025, while at the same time maintaining its existing operations in California. The incentive package the city of Amarillo gave to Coast Packing includes $720,000 to assist in job creation, approximately 30 acres of land, and some tax abatement. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas won big at the National FFA Convention last week. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at some of the results. 
The National FFA Organization has announced the 2022 National FFA AgriScience Fair winners for Animal and Environmental Services and Natural Resource Systems. The winners were recognized during the 95th Annual National FFA Convention and Expo in Indianapolis. The winner of the Animal Systems Division 3 category is Cole Triplett of the DeKalb FFA Chapter in Texas. The National FFA AgriScience Fair recognizes students who gain real-world, hands-on experiences in agricultural enterprises. Students use scientific principles and emerging technologies to solve complex problems related to agriculture, food, and natural resources. In the Agricultural Proficiency Awards, FFA members, through Supervised Agricultural Experiences, SAEs, have developed specialized skills that they can then apply toward their future careers. The winner of the Agricultural Mechanics Repair and Maintenance Entrepreneurship category is Scott Henderson of the Canyon FFA Chapter in Texas. He is the proprietor of Henderson Tractor Repair. Scott began restoring tractors and competing in restoration competitions at the age of nine. His first three restorations were a 1934 Alice Chalmers WC, a 1955 Oliver Super 55 diesel, and a Farm LB. The winner of the Agricultural Sales Placement category is Tanner Owen of the Canyon FFA Chapter in Texas. He works for Premier Nutrition Technologies, a small feed supplement business that his family owns. He assists with unloading new feed that comes from the mill, packaging, and shipping products. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Other winners at last week's FFA convention include the Klondike FFA chapter just south of La Mesa. They won the National FFA Milk Quality and Products Competition. Klondike FFA has won the national competition for three out of the last four years. The El Campo FFA chapter left the convention as national winners of the Ag Issues Contest. And another big winner from El Campo was Ryan Williamson. He'll serve on the new National FFA Officer Team. Williamson was elected National Western Region Vice President. The cool weather is making it the perfect time to plant cool season vegetables here in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some cool season gardening tips. Cool weather finally got here all across Texas, even in the south, and it reminds us that this is a great time to plant a lot of cool season vegetables. And if you've been to the grocery store lately and you see prices, then that's another encouragement for first-time gardeners to try their hand at some of these cool season crops. First of all, you know, you think onions are pretty cheap, and why would you ever want to grow onions? But then you look at the price of green onions, and we grow a lot of those in Texas and very successfully. So you could use seeds, believe it or not, right now, and they would make green onions plants to harvest by February in most cases. And garlic is another one. Garlic is a favorite in Texas cooking, and of course it is a plant that will grow quite well. We usually grow what's called a soft neck variety. And if you went to the grocery store and picked up a garlic off the shelf, that's probably going to be one of the soft neck ones. And you just buy those cloves, separate them out, plant them about two to three inches deep, give them water, and they'll start coming up in a matter of a month. And they'll be harvestable, or you can harvest them along about in May and early June in Texas. So try your hand at the garlic plants. They'll do very, very well here. And don't forget those cool season crops like 
the cold crops, cabbage, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. And if you're gardening with kids, then you have things like radishes and carrots that will grow very rapidly, and you can grow those. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will meet this week to hear an update on chronic wasting disease in the state and to consider whether or not Texans should be allowed to use drones to help feral hog hunters on the ground. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are many equine probiotic supplements on the market. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are many equine probiotic supplements on the market, but are they actually beneficial for your horse? Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. There are millions of normal microorganisms in your horse's intestinal tract that are required for digestion. Multiple syndromes can cause a disruption in the intestinal microflora, and theoretically adding probiotics to the horse's diet should help to add organisms that may have been lost back in the intestine and help to regain the balance of organisms. Research shows that probiotics are generally safe, but the question remains about the effectiveness of probiotics. The concern is that probiotics are given orally, and they have to make it all the way through the stomach and small intestine to get to the cecum where they are needed. At this time, it is unknown if the microorganisms survive going through the stomach and if they stay in the cecum, if they do get to that point. Dr. Kathleen Crandall indicates that if the organisms leave the cecum, then probiotics only are effective while you're giving them. There are several cases in which probiotics may be beneficial, and one is the horse with diarrhea. Diarrhea indicates an upset in the intestinal microbiota, and hopefully probiotics will stabilize this disruption. Some horses have a so-called leaky gut in which the lining of the intestine is disrupted, leading to decreased digestion of nutrients, and probiotics may help in these cases. Horses that are stressed may also benefit from probiotics, as stress leads to increases in cortisol, which can lead to intestinal organism disruption. Starting probiotics one week before a stressful event, like traveling or showing, may be helpful. Horses on antibiotics may also benefit from probiotics, as the antibiotics kill a large amount of beneficial bacteria in the intestine, and the probiotics may replace these bacteria. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission meets this week to discuss chronic wasting disease and wild hog hunting. Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. This week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will meet to discuss a few items that could affect Texas anglers and hunters in the coming months and years. During their work session on Wednesday, the commission will receive an update on chronic wasting disease 
from TPWD staff. The agenda for Thursday's meeting does not include an action item on potentially creating new CWD zones. However, that does not mean the commission will not enact new zones before the general white-tailed deer hunting season opens on Saturday. New CWD cases were reported in Gillespie and Limestone counties after the commission approved new and expanded CWD zones in late August. The creation of new zones to monitor the potential spread of CWD and its prevalence in the free-ranging deer population could come by way of an executive order as we near the start of deer hunting season. Also on the agenda for the commission this week is consideration of a proposal that would allow the use of electric bikes on trails at Texas state parks. The commission is also expected to weigh whether or not Texans should be allowed to use drones to spot feral hogs from the sky for hunters on the ground. The proposal would not allow hunters to somehow shoot from the drones. The commission is also expected to consider whether or not to close oyster reef areas and temporary closures of oyster restoration areas in Galveston and San Antonio Bays. TPWD staff will also brief the commission on potential new changes to statewide hunting and fishing regulations for 2023-2024. The commission's work session begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday in Austin. The commission meeting follows at 9 a.m. on Thursday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a day of strongly higher grain prices Monday, and that usually means lower cattle prices. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a big jump in the grain markets to kick off the trading week Monday, and that caused a drop in the cattle markets. We finished lower on both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle down 52 cents at 152.47. February down 50 cents, 155.82. November feeder cattle down 25 cents, 177.62. While January feeders were down 92 cents, 179.45. March feeder cattle dropped a dollar, 181.57. All quiet on the Fed cattle trade this week, no sales to report. But of course, we've seen a lot of good strength in that market over the last few weeks. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Well, that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley, is our guest today. Maddie owns and operates Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how did this Thursday sale turn out? Good morning, Larry. Uh, we had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1321 with 195 cows and 29 bulls, 202 sellers, and 72 buyers. Walk the pens with us. 
on the Stalker Cows, we got along pretty good. Uh, we didn't have quite as many to pick from as we've been having. Uh, the good pairs brought from 11 to 13.50. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 8.50 to 10.50. The good bred cows from 8.50 to 1100. The mediocre middle-aged and short-bred cows from five to eight and a quarter. The Longhorn and the planer end of the cows from 250 to 475. Packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with the week ago. The good high-yielding cows from 63 to 74. The medium yielding cows from 50 to 62. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 20 to 49. Uh, on the Packer bulls, we didn't have any real good high yielding bulls this week. Few of the better end of the bulls from 88 to 94. The medium yielding bulls from 80 to 87. The low yielding and lightweight bulls from 58 to 79. And on the calves and yearlings, all the good quality cattle were several dollars higher on our real active market. But, you know, with feed as high as it is and the amount of volume that the cell barns have been running, the, the planter end is still pretty hard to move. So... But all in all, it's a good day. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale in Lockhart. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. I appreciate it. Thank you, Madison. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And, neighbor, thank you, too, for being our guest here at Granny Marble's Kitchen Table today. We appreciate it. Our program, Walking the Pens. We do it every day on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, and I like it so much I'll be darned if I don't I want to do it again tomorrow. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade where we saw a lower close in lean hogs on Monday. December hogs down a dollar seventeen, eighty-four ninety-two. February down forty cents at eighty-eight forty-five. Class three milk mostly higher. November milk up twenty-nine cents at twenty fifty a hundred weight. The cotton market still feels a bearish trend happening in the market right now. U.S. dollar very strong and Chinese demand very poor. Both of those factors weighing on cotton prices. December cotton dropped 11 points to close at 72 cents even. March cotton down 43 at 71.64. Now, we mentioned a higher grain market earlier, but we didn't really say why. Well, here's the reason. Russia has decided they are going to back out of the deal to allow Ukrainian grain exports. So they're going to shut down any exports of Ukrainian grain, and that caused a big jump in our markets on Monday. December corn up 10 and three quarters, 691 and a half. March corn up 10 cents, 696 and three quarters. The biggest benefit from that Russian-Ukraine news was the wheat market. December Kansas City wheat jumped 53 and three quarters, 978 and three quarters, while December Chicago wheat was up 53 cents, 882 and a quarter. In the energy markets Monday, December natural gas was up 62 cents, 631. December crude oil down a dollar 86.16 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Monday afternoon. The Dow down 102 points, 32,756. The Nasdaq down 118 at 10,983. The S&P down 26, 3,874. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.